You're listening to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library Podcast. There's practically no limit to what you can learn and see when you belong to the Livingston Library. From science and technology to grants and genealogy, our library is virtually an information galaxy. This library is yours and this library. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of L-Town Radio, the Livingston Public Library podcast. My name is Joe, and this is our episode looking ahead to September 2020. In this episode, Katie will discuss some of the new books coming out next month that she's got her eye on. Jessica will talk a little about our upcoming virtual event, Personal Finance 101, with Douglas Silverstone. Archna also has some programs to tell us about, including a photographic tour of New Jersey State Parks, as well as the lecture Alexander Hamilton, The Musical and the Duel. Speaking of musicals, Jessica, Katie, Archna, Gina, and I will all share what our favorite musicals are. And toward the end of the episode, I will talk about a brand new virtual book club that we're starting at the end of September that I'm very excited about, and I'll give you all the details about that toward the end. But first, I want to share a little bit of history that I learned this past week. You see, I've only learned, I've only lived in Essex County for about three years now. Uh, before then, I lived in New York, first Long Island, and then New York City for my entire life. So now I like to take the opportunity whenever I can to read about the local history here, to learn more about the area where I now live and work. And recently, in the course of my research, I learned that this September marks the 275th anniversary of an episode which greatly impacted American history. It happened in a place known at the time as the Horseneck Tract, an area of New Jersey which included parts of the places we know today as Verona, Roseland, the Caldwells, and our very own town of Livingston. Before we get into the events of September 1745, though, we should first go even further back in time to 1699. That was when a group of settlers from Newark moved west and decided to negotiate with the indigenous Lenny Lenape people about purchasing the deed to the Horseneck Tract. In 1702, the Lenny Lenape officially sold the deed for the land to the settlers for the equivalent of 130 pounds. At the same time, however, there was also a group of English proprietors who believed they already owned the rights to the Horseneck Tract, not because they had also reached any kind of agreement with the Lenny Lenape, but because they were colonizers and they had simply passed some laws a few years earlier that said, we own this land now. So in 1703, Lord Cornbury, who had been appointed governor of the Jersey colonies by his cousin, Queen Anne, declared that all purchases of indigenous land that had not been made by English proprietors were now null and void. 
Of course, the settlers from Newark thought they had legitimate claims to the land, having, you know, actually dealt with the Lenny Lenape. And since many of the settlers were not highly educated or literate, they either weren't aware of or didn't fully understand the admittedly confusing and questionable laws that the English proprietors had enacted. And for over 40 years, the proprietors tried to reach peaceful agreements with the settlers, but the settlers rejected these propositions. That was until 1744, when a dramatic turn in this series of events occurred. And I'll tell you what happened in just a moment. First, let's have a word from Jessica from our Adult Services and Acquisitions Department. Hi, L-Town Radio listeners. It has been awesome being back in the library and seeing everyone's face, both to borrow books and at our virtual programs through Zoom. I don't know about you, but lately I've been trying to get my finances together and start planning out how to better manage my money and save. If you too have been looking at your checkbooks wondering how you can better manage your finances, the library has a program just for you. On Monday, September 21st at 7 p.m., we will be hosting a lecture on personal finance presented by Douglas Silverston of BlackRock Financial Planning and Investment Management. Silverston has an educational background from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania and NYU Stern School of Business. He has been a guest lecturer at the NYU School of Business for the last several years. Registration is required for this event, and you can do so via the library's event calendar on our website, livingstonlibrary.org. The day before the program, information on how to access the Zoom event will be emailed to you. I hope to see you there. Thank you, Jessica. I'm sure a lot of us could benefit from some personal finance 101, though I doubt that would have been much help to the settlers in our story. See, after closing their land deal with the Lenny Lenape, the deed for that sale ended up stored in a house belonging to a man named Jonathan Pearson. And in 1744, that house was destroyed in a fire. With the deed destroyed, the proprietors began to take bolder actions in enforcing their claims to the horseneck tract. They demanded exorbitant rents and taxes from the settlers, and they began evicting or even jailing those who refused to comply. These disputes reached a boiling point in September of 1745, when a man named Samuel Baldwin was evicted from his home and imprisoned at the Broad Street Jailhouse in Newark. In response, a group of hundreds led by Timothy Meeker forcibly liberated Baldwin from jail and then armed with weapons like clubs, cudgels, and blunderbusses, the earlier smaller versions of shotguns, they marched riotously back to Horseneck. These Horseneck riots continued long after that day, with more fighting against law enforcement and organized jailbreaks of imprisoned landowners and other acts of rebellion. John Hamilton, the acting governor at the time and of no relation to Alexander, wrote that so open avowed an attempt to throw off their dependence on the crown of Britain is of such dangerous consequence to his majesty's authority in his plantations that we shall have reason to fear the resentment of his majesty. One Abraham Phillips, whom the proprietors had installed on land settled by the Archer family, stated in a deposition before the Supreme Court that a group of armed men, led by Edward Archer and three members of the Riker family, tore the roof off his house ripped his fences, and burned his provisions. 
Incidents like this not only persisted throughout Horseneck, but began to spread throughout neighboring counties like Somerset, Morris, and Hunterdon, even to jails as far away as Trenton, which were raided by rebellious crowds. Unfortunately for the settlers, the Horseneck Riots ultimately did not result in their triumph over their proprietors. While fighting between the two sides continued for years, both with lawsuits and with violence, most settlers ended up either evicted from their land or paying steep taxes to the proprietors. However, the Horseneck Riots did prove to be a highly pivotal episode of American history. They were classified as open acts of rebellion against the Crown of England, and not only did they influence the uprisings which spread throughout New Jersey soon afterward, but they foreshadowed how the powder keg of resistance would explode into the Revolutionary War over 30 years later. If you want to read more about the Horseneck Riots, you can check out any one of the various sources I used in my research. I started by looking through the archives of the West Essex Tribune, which you can access by starting at our website, livingstonlibrary.org. There, if you hover over the Collections tab on the menu near the top, then click on Resources A to Z, then scroll down that alphabetical list to Local History Archive, click on that, and then finally click on Tribune. There you'll find an archive of the West Essex Tribune going all the way back to 1929. I found a story about the Horseneck Riots in the August 27, 2009 issue. Another great source I used here is Livingston, the story of a community which was compiled by the workers of the WPA Writers Program of the Works Projects Administration in the state of New Jersey and revised by the Livingston Bicentennial Historical Committee in 2013. That document contains a wealth of great information, not just about the Horseneck Riots, but covering over 300 years of history related to Livingston, and you can find a link to that at www dot livingstonnj.org slash 657 slash history. Next, I got some very helpful material from a thesis called A History of the Horseneck Riots, written by Max K. Vorwerk at Montclair State Teachers College in 1948, published by the Caldwell Bicentennial Committee in 1976, and portions of that are currently available online at sites.rootsweb.com slash tilde symbol, Jean Poole, G-E-N-E-P-O-O-L, slash njriots.htm. I also had some help from The Mountain Society, A History of the First Presbyterian Church, Orange, New Jersey, with an account of the earliest settlements in Newark by James Hoyt, published in 1860 and freely available online at archive.org slash details slash the mountain S-O-C-I zero zero Hoyt, H-O-Y-T. And finally, the Wikipedia page for Livingston has much to offer about the Horseneck Riots, of course, but also all kinds of fun facts about this town of ours. And if you want to learn even more about local, state, and or American history, you are in luck. 
I'm going to take a quick break and turn things over to Archana, who will tell us about some more highly educational programs we have coming up at the Livingston Public Library this September. Archana? Hello, podcast listeners. This is Archana Chiplunkar, Adult Services and Acquisitions Librarian. Now, as we know, there is an extra emphasis on outdoor activities in the age of COVID-19 due to the open air and the ability to socially distance. If you haven't yet enjoyed the outdoors this spring or summer, do not fret, since the library is going to bring the beauty of nature right to your computer screens. Did you know that some of New Jersey's most exciting history can be found in our 50 state parks and recreation areas? Join us on the evening of September 3rd at 7 p.m. for a virtual talk and slideshow by author and photographer Kevin Weiss, who will introduce you to New Jersey parks, some that are well-known and some that are hidden gems. The slideshow includes original photographs of many of New Jersey's beautiful state parks, plus vintage maps and images of historic people, places and events. Now, continuing in the same vein, on Thursday, September 24th at 7 p.m., the focus moves to the Jewel of New York City, Central Park, with its 843 acres of wonderful sights and experiences. This program will cover the park's history and many of its sights and attractions through the camera lens of amateur photographer Mario Medici, who will provide commentary describing each photo. Whether it's the 80 sculptures that dot the landscape or the 33 bridges and arches, some dating back to 1863, or the acres of water bodies, lawns and woodlands, you will be treated to a wonderful viewing and informational experience. So be sure to check these two programs out. They may inspire you to explore the natural beauty of New York and New Jersey. Late summer and of course fall is a great time to do that when the weather is a little cooler and the trees undergo a glorious seasonal transformation. Next, on a totally different note, we present Alexander Hamilton, the musical and the duel, on the evening of September 10th at 7 p.m. Alexander Hamilton was a founding father, a Constitutional Convention delegate, author of the Federalist Papers, and the first Secretary of the U.S. Treasury. He built a financial foundation for the new nation against fierce opposition from arch-rival Thomas Jefferson. In 1804, he was killed in a duel by Vice President Aaron Burr, another long-time political foe, on the dueling grounds in Weehawken, New Jersey. Today, of course, Hamilton is a groundbreaking musical featuring black and Latino actors playing the founding fathers, and it's the hottest ticket on Broadway. In this program, presented by lecturer Rick Feingold, we will feature the Hamilton mixtape performance at the White House, an introduction to the characters of the musical and music from the Broadway production. You can register for all these virtual events using the library calendar at www.livingstonlibrary.org and a Zoom link will be then sent to you the day before. Hope to see you in the Zoom chat rooms in September. Thank you. Thank you, Archana. By the way, in addition to that Alexander Hamilton program, September's senior happening is also perfect for the musical lovers out there. On Friday, September 18th, from 1 to 2 p.m., the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra presents Broadway Bound. This program features songs from classic Broadway musicals like West Side Story, 
The Sound of Music, The Phantom of the Opera, and Cats, all arranged for string quartet. This event will be shown virtually on Zoom, and while it is free, it is limited to 300 viewers, so be sure to register through our calendar. Again, that'll be Friday, September 18th, 1 to 2 p.m. The performance is being offered through the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra's Community Partners Program, and as always, Senior Happening is made possible in part by funds from the Essex County Division of Cultural Affairs, a partner of the New Jersey State Council of the Arts, and through the support from the Friends of the Livingston Library. Now with these musical-themed programs coming up, I got to wondering if the rest of our L-Town Radio podcasters had any personal favorite musicals, so I asked them, and here's what they had to say, starting with Katie, head of our Adult Services Department. My favorite Broadway musical is Cabaret. I really love the Broadway version, but also the movie version starring Liza Minnelli. And I think it's just such a rich story. There's elements of everything. There's a love story, a love triangle. There's history set against, you know, um, Nazi Germany. There's tragedy. There's just a lot of human aspects to it. And it really just resonates with me. And luckily for patrons who haven't been able to see the Broadway show, which is not currently running anymore, but I did get a chance to see the revival a few years ago with Emma Stone in the lead, and she was fabulous. The original cast recording for the movie is available on Hoopla, featuring the amazing Joel Grey, and of course, as I mentioned before, Liza Minnelli. So if you get a chance, check it out. Hi, it's Gina. My daughters and I had so much fun rewatching High School Musical during quarantine. We watched it together hundreds of times over the years. The movie was such a big part of their childhood and it always brings back all of the feels. So here we were in the pandemic and every time someone said we're all in this together, I automatically thought of that dance scene on the basketball gym floor with Gabriella and Troy and all the Wildcats. Then we weren't able to see Hamilton live on Broadway, so we were very excited when it came out in the movie version. We watched it the first day it came out and have been singing the songs ever since. And the best part is that both of the soundtracks to High School Musical and Hamilton are available digitally on Hoopla. Hi, L-Town Radio listeners. It's Adult Services and Acquisitions Librarian, Jessica here. Do I have a favorite musical? I'm not really one for plays or musicals, but I do have one that holds a special place in my heart. I enjoy cats. Jellicle cats come out tonight. Jellicle cats come one come all. The Jellicle moon is shining bright. Jellicles come to the Jellicle ball. When I was a child, my sister was obsessed with Cats the Musical. Someone gifted us a VHS. She would watch it over and over again, and I would too. If you too want to be swept away by the Jellicle Moon and immerse yourself in Cats the Musical, you can. You can borrow the soundtrack from Hoopla Digital and you can borrow the book, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot from the Livingston Library. Meow. Hello listeners. I'm librarian Archana Chiplunkar and I'm very excited to talk about one of my favorite movie musicals, which is The Greatest Showman. This family musical is inspired by the life of the legendary 19th century ringmaster P.T. Barnum, who is played by the amazing actor and singer Hugh Jackman. 
Now Barnum came from nothing to create the Barnum and Bailey Circus and his spectacle soon becomes the greatest show on earth. The movie has a stellar cast. Besides Jackman, it features Zac Efron, Michelle Williams and Zendaya. It has an energetic and upbeat tone throughout and makes for a very entertaining watch. The musical numbers are catchy, well choreographed and visually appealing. The movie has valuable themes about embracing differences, healing conflict, finding reconciliation and of course realizing one's dreams. I remember I had gone along with my daughter to visit an uncle in Florida and one afternoon we were strolling in a mall and decided to catch a screening of this movie at the spur of the moment. We had been meaning of course to watch it for a long time but I hadn't found the time. It was a few months after the film's release so there were very few people in the audience. But we enjoyed the movie so much and came out of the theater in a very happy mood humming the tunes. The 11 original songs in this film are all memorable, composed by Oscar and Tony winning duo Benny Pasek and Justin Paul, who have composed the songs for La La Land and the Broadway hit Dear Ivan Hansen. The songs are uplifting, they're a delightful fusion of pop sounds and old field musicals. One of the songs I really like is Never Enough. It has been sung with immense power and emotion by Lauren Aldred and performed equally strongly by actress Rebecca Ferguson as an opera singer. But my favorite number in this has to be This Is Me. It provides the defining moment of the entire soundtrack. It's a Golden Globe Award winner for Best Original Song and nominated for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards. Performed amazingly by Kiala Settle, who also plays the bearded lady. This is an inspiring number. It's about accepting people for who they are. It has become a rallying cry for the unique and different across the world. Now, luckily, The Greatest Showman is available to check out in our DVD collection and the movie soundtrack is available on Hoopla. And I can assure you that both the feel-good movie and the songs will make for an uplifting watch and listen during these stressful times. I would like to end by playing for you a short excerpt of the inspiring song, This Is Me, with powerhouse vocals and performance by Kiela Settle. Here it is. Thanks everybody. As for me, I certainly have a few favorite musicals. The first musical I ever loved was Tommy, The Who's 1969 rock opera. I never got to see it on Broadway, but I have listened to the original album and watched the 1975 film version a bunch of times. The second musical I ever loved was Rent. As a high school theater kid in the mid-90s, you were kind of required to love Rent. I loved Rent so much that in the summer of 1997, a friend and I slept overnight on the sidewalk in front of the Nederlander Theater in Times Square so that we could score $20 front row rush tickets for the next performance. That wasn't the smartest decision I ever made in terms of my personal safety, but it was totally worth it to sit close enough to get flecks of Adina Menzel's spittle all over my Green Day t-shirt. But my all-time favorite musical has to be 
Hedwig, and The Angry Inch. I never got to see the show's original off-Broadway run in the 90s, but I fell fast and hard for the movie in the early 2000s, and I did see the spectacular Broadway revival starring Neil Patrick Harris in 2014. It has so many things that are near and dear to me in this life. It's romantic, it's sardonic, it's bursting with glam rock and punk rock and gender nonconformity that I just don't know if I could ever love a musical more than Hedwig and the Angry Inch. You can hear the soundtrack to Hedwig and the Angry Inch, both the film version and the two stage versions, on hoopladigital.com, and you can hear those for free if you have a Livingston Library card. You can also hear the soundtrack to the film version of Rent, and you can hear the Who's Tommy, both the 1969 album and the 1975 film soundtrack, again on hoopladigital.com using your Livingston Library card. And if you want to watch any of the DVDs of those musicals, you can place a request on livingstonlibrary.org. And if we don't have a copy on our shelves, we'll get one from one of the other libraries in the Buckle system. All right, well, enough music talk. We are a library, so let's talk about books. And here to join us again is Katie to talk about some of the great new book releases that are coming out in September. Katie? Hi, everyone. My name is Katie, and I'm the head of adult services and acquisitions here at the Livingston Public Library. And I'm going to just be talking about some awesome upcoming September reads. September is bringing around a lot of new book releases, all of which will be available to you with your Livingston Library card, either digitally through Libby or through our print collection. Many of these authors are well known for previous works, and these titles are going to be big releases with lots of promotion. So you can just say that you heard it here first. Here is a selection of September book releases. On September 8th, we have Anxious People by Frederick Bachman, which is contemporary fiction. From the author of A Man Called Uva, a bank robber on the run locks himself in with a dysfunctional group of people only to let them all go. Now the police are interviewing each person trying to figure out what happened and where the robber went. Also on September 8th, we have One by One by Ruth Ware, mystery and thriller. An exclusive alpine ski resort. The offer of a billion dollar sale of their tech company. Would one of the shareholders or directors be willing to resort to murder to get their way? A new book from the author of The Woman in Cabin 10. Ruth Ware is known for her camp put down thrillers. The last September 8th book I'm gonna be discussing is Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jossi which is contemporary fiction. In her fifth year studying neuroscience at Stanford, Gifty is determined to find the cause of suffering, studying depression and addiction in mice. The further she dives into science, the more her childhood faith seems to call to her. Her debut novel, Homecoming, was met with massive praise. On September 15th, we have a science fiction offering by Christopher Paolini, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. While surveying an uncolonized planet, xenobiologist Kira Navarez discovers a relic that thrusts her into first contact with an alien race and changes the course of history. The teen author of Aragon is now all grown up and still writing. Next up is Historical Fiction by Ken Follett, The Evening and the Morning, releasing on September 15th. And it's a prequel to his popular series, The Pillars of the Earth, which is at the end of the Dark Ages, 
The lives of a book builder, a noble woman, and a monk intertwine in unexpected ways. Another mystery and thriller on September 15th is Trouble Blood by Robert Galbraith, the fifth installment in the Cormoran Strike series. While Robin is going through a messy divorce, Cormoran Strike takes a new case, a 40-year-old cold case of a mother who disappeared. And it's from author J.K. Rowling, writing under her pseudonym. The last book on the list comes out September 22nd in its contemporary fiction, The Book of Two Ways by Jodi Picoult. When Dawn Edelstein is in a plane crash, her last thoughts are not of her husband, but of a man she hasn't seen in 15 years. When she miraculously survives, Dawn begins to rethink her life's choices. Picoult is known for her other tearjerkers, such as My Sister's Keeper. I hope this list inspires you to check some of these titles out, and if you do, don't forget to let us know what you think. See you next month. Thank you, Katie. I'm very curious about that book, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. I've always been intrigued by sci-fi, fantasy, and other kinds of speculative fiction, especially stories that use those kinds of narratives to explore forward-thinking ideas, to imagine where our species might be headed in the future, whether the place we're headed is a better or worse place than where we are now, and if it is a worse place, how we can try to avoid such a fate. That's kind of the inspiration behind the new virtual book club I'll be hosting starting on the evening of September 30th. It's called Unstuck in Time. The title, by the way, comes from a line in Slaughterhouse-Five by my all-time favorite author, Kurt Vonnegut. But anyway, in this club, we'll meet once a month to revisit classic speculative fiction. And by classic, in this sense, I mean published at least 25 years ago. Some of the books we'll read might still be very well-known and highly regarded, although some might be somewhat forgotten or underappreciated today. But the thing these books will have in common is that they'll all have some things to say about where we are now, whether or not it was the author's intention at the time they wrote it. Some of the kinds of books we'll end up revisiting may include Ubik by Philip K. Dick, Kindred by Octavia Butler, The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin, Nova by Samuel Delaney, Hard-Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World by Haruki Murakami, and definitely something by Kurt Vonnegut eventually, maybe Cat's Cradle, maybe Slaughterhouse-Five, maybe Galapagos. I don't know yet. I'm having a hard time deciding. The book we'll be discussing at our first meeting on September 30th is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, originally published in 1818. Of course, we all know the story of Frankenstein about a scientist who reanimates a dead man and then has to deal with the repercussions of that bold decision. What I'm curious to hear uh, is what kind of ideas this story inspires in 2020, particularly when it comes to what the concept of life after death might mean in the age of artificial intelligence. Once again, this virtual book club is called Unstuck in Time. Our first meeting will be held through Zoom, 7 p.m. on Wednesday, September 30th. Registration is required, so make sure you do that through our calendar, which you can find on our website, livingstonlibrary.org. And if you sign up and need a copy of Frankenstein, we have quite a few copies held at our circulation desk. Well, that'll do it for this episode of L-Town Radio. Thank you to Jessica, Archana, Katie, and Gina for your contributions this month. 
Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in again next month. As always, you can listen and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget, you can follow us all over the internet on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, not to mention our daily blog, which is blog.livingstonlibrary.org. And of course, if you want to come visit us IRL, we are back open. We're open for contactless pickup on Mondays 10 to 8 and Thursdays from 10 to 5, when you can come get books that you reserved with us online. We have our browse and borrow days on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 10 to 5, and Wednesdays from 10 to 8. That's where you can come in and look around if you like. Please check our website, livingstonlibrary.org, for all our social distancing policies and other relevant information. If you can make it here, we'd love to see your face, or half your face at least. And until then, stay safe and be kind to each other, babies.